And frankly, the first matchup shouldn't have played out the way that it did. But, like, it just doesn't make any sense. And it drives me crazy. That's my main source of confidence, is it feels like the universe must even itself out on Tuesday night with oh, this. Stephen. Oh, Stephen. It no. just has to. It just doesn't oh. make any... No, this team's too bad to, to sweep NC State, surely. It, I mean, it is. And the, the thing is this, um, and I warned you I was going to bring this out, so I don't mean to cause pain. Here we go. Welcome to an ACC podcast, a podcast that, by the way, everyone should now be able to find on both iTunes and Spotify. Shout out to uh, the people at SB Nation, and by the people, I mean mostly Caroline Darney, who have worked so hard um, with my nagging, um, incessant nagging, to get this done, but it is done. You should be able to subscribe, and I, I guess I'm supposed to say like. I'm not sure. Um, like and subscribe and get reviews. Good reviews only. Wait, I shouldn't say that either. Okay, um, <laughs> I'm Lauren Brownlow, anyway. Um, and because uh, we've got the game of the week, well, technically the game of the week is just concluded, which was uh, Louisville at Florida State. And uh, so this part two, game of the week, NC State at UNC. Yay. NC State, yes, <laughs> NC State hoping to pull the plucky underdog upset as a two and a half point underdog. Um <laughs> and I, I've got Stephen Muma on with me from Backing the Pack, SB Nation. Um, hi, Stephen. Hi, Lauren. I'm going to try not to cry during this episode. Well, we can, if you want to avoid tears, we can start out with Florida State, Louisville. Um, really impressive performance by Florida State in the second half, for sure. Um, Louisville, though, has Malik Williams get hurt early, ends up in a boot. Uh, we, heard, we heard last week, uh, talking to Mike Rutherford, about how important he is to Louisville on both ends. And that would just be, oof, that would be an injury you don't want to see. Not that you ever want to see one, but for Louisville right now, as deep as they are, that's that's an injury that would concern me a lot for you know their postseason chances in both tournaments, really. Yeah, he just does a lot. Kind of, I think, probably just a little under the radar, more so because he hasn't played a ton of minutes. But man, his, his profile is pretty impressive and just in some of the games I've seen him this year, yeah, definitely a, a big piece for them. Yeah, so I hope he ends up being okay. Um, it was a weird game. MJ Walker gets hurt from running into the ref. That was a thing that happened. Um, would sure. have been a blocking foul, I think. Yeah. It should have been. Um, not called, as usual, ACC <laughs> officials. Yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Ryan McMahon tried to threaten the entire FSU huddle, which was a bold move. Um, <laughs> yeah. I was sitting there like, uh, Ryan, what's what are you thinking this through, buddy? Not so sure. Yeah, like half of Florida State's teams looks like they eat uh, lunches larger than Ryan McMahon, so you got to be careful there. Yeah, and literally any time, I mean, they have him in to hit threes, and he was doing that for a while, but literally any time he was defending uh, a Florida State player, you could see their eyes get wide and trying to drive right at him and eat his lunch, basically. So I could see why he got a little irritated. That's one of the best parts about the way Florida State is constructed is just anytime you have like a Ryan McMahon is six feet tall, all right, maybe 5'11", you know, so he's like a normal sized human, but look against a Florida State team that's enormous like that. Same thing with Braxton Beverly on Saturday. It just cracks me up. Yes. Looking <laughs> yes. at the comparison. <laughs> yes, he looks so tiny compared to like normal, like big basketball players. He looks so tiny compared to them. Whereas like if you were with, you know, next to like you or I, he would look enormous. So it's all relative. 
Or even just like more of a normal sized basketball team. It wouldn't necessarily feel quite so out of whack, but against Florida State, it's just so pronounced. <laughs> that's it. That's it. That, yes, this is a good point. Um, so yeah, Florida State shakes up the ACC race a little bit. Although I don't know that like anybody would have had Louisville winning that game necessarily. That's a really tough place to play. I think they've won 22 in a row now at home. Florida State, always been a basketball school. I've always said this. It's true. Uh, <laughs> especially lately. yeah Uh, and you know they look really good and um obviously they have a head-to-head loss with duke they're not going to play duke again sets up nicely for duke assuming duke can you know take care of business so to speak because duke um i mean at virginia is their biggest one left obviously state at home later we don't anticipate that going well for the wolfpack um yeah yeah (laughs) not not feeling super optimistic about that one <clears throat> at, le- at least Kevin Keats didn't uh, slap his butt after that game because that would have just been even more K rage to be taken out um, on NC State there. But no, that's going to be one of those games where he's like, all right, I told y'all last time that they would play hard against you. You didn't believe me. Now y'all better like dive to every loose ball. And yeah, that that's a game I just don't, I don't think they'll have a lot of problem there. So really at Virginia kind of looms is that ACC decider and Louisville still I think takes a trip to Virginia if I'm not mistaken so that's Louisville obviously has the tougher stretch here it's hard to imagine even though they have the head-to-head with Duke um, they'll need some help from Duke that I'm not sure they're gonna get so we'll see I mean crazier things have happened I suppose Um, but (laughs) yeah I I think you're probably right that's that's how I would expect it to go down here as well so congratulations ACC coach of the year Mike Krzyzewski maybe (laughs) I mean first time since 2000 (laughs) really has it been that yeah. long? Wow. It has been that long. Well, yeah, no. He's had some, I, just, he's been in a slump, okay? All right. Just I, a coaching if I, slump. If I'm Duke, I'm like pounding that as a, as like a promotional type thing. Like, I hey, would too. You know, they just, you know, it's, <laughs> they just expect us to be good. So it doesn't make any difference yeah. in, in, in anybody's perception, I guess, when they are good. So. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of wild when you think about it. But um, and really, I think only Roy Williams only won it. I think when in the year when they weren't supposed to be good and were unexpectedly good. Um, so yeah, that seems to be the main and only criteria is just beating expectations. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I I don't love that as a criteria. I liked the shift last year towards like Virginia had you know the best ACC season and they won and D- Tony Bennett won. Like great, I like that. Um, to me, that's more how it should be. But obviously, you know, exceptions can be made. But right. Except for Josh Pastner. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, so, they, have, they have, just have to vacate that later anyway, probably. So <laughs> maybe, allegedly, probably. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Pastner made the ill advised decision to, I guess, jaw with some Syracuse fans. And it seemed like Syracuse's run uh, to beat them. Uh, really kind of resulted from there. I'm going to go ahead and attribute it to that. Just yeah. works for me. You know, <laughs> I didn't, I did uh, not, uh, I would did not find that unfortunate to see. So, no. So this Florida state team, you, you obviously saw them up close. Um, well, relatively when they played NC state on Saturday, um, and NC State is, I didn't think, look, everybody was saying, oh, NC State played really well against Duke. They're going to have a letdown because that's what, you know, been the narrative around NC State forever. But that's not, to me, what happened in that basketball game at all. No, I don't think so either. I think it was really more a function of what Florida State was doing. Just a really, really good team. And NC State did hang in there in the first half, thanks in part, I think, to getting a little more offense from the free throw line than might have been expected otherwise. But in the second half, I thought Florida State 
just with their length, creating all kinds of different problems. And NC State does tend to struggle in the half court um, when it can't get out and run a little bit. And this was one of those games where um, just tough to match up defensively and rebound. Uh, Rebounding was a big deal. Yeah, Yeah, that was a big one. It's been a weakness all year on the defensive glass. And of course, it was a little bit more pronounced against Florida State, which helped them get through some of their hiccups. And while NC State was decent on the on the boards, just not enough production from the perimeter. It's tough to score in the paint on those guys, obviously. So it's, it's just they just kind of shut it down in that second half. Yeah. And I know. Um, well, and also I wanted to point this out before I got into like some of that other stuff because I mean I think it was what was it yeah Manny Bates and DJ Funderburk combining for four rebounds generally not going to be enough to get that done get the job done extremely not helpful yeah when you get like 40 some odd minutes from those guys and and they only have a handful of rebounds it's tough Manny actually uh, he didn't play for like the last little bit of the game and I know some of us are wondering like what's going on but I don't know if he was like in the doghouse or what was going on but the zero rebounds might be you know big indicator there of what was going on because yeah 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 <laughs> not he's, great he's not providing that not not blocking shots from being disruptive defensively then uh, he can kind of fade loses value in a game like this where uh, he has he loses advantages in terms of you know scoring florida state matchups. florida state has like 20 of him right um, yeah so there's <laughs> he kind of loses his uh edge as far as that goes for state yeah so um, I think that was part of it as well. Yeah, um, obviously Kevin Keats um, got his first technical, which I was surprised it was his first one, just because sometimes you can get technicals for all kinds of things. But um, he clearly wanted to talk about the officiating after the game and and kept mentioning the free throw disparity, which drove me insane because that's like my pet peeve. Um, like just if if you want to say you didn't get the same whistle as them, like we all saw the game, you know, like we saw the game. We, I mean, I would agree in the second half you didn't get the same whistle that they did i don't disagree with that at all like i saw it um but the three the free throw disparity in and of itself i mean and the fouls too like a lot of those were like there were a lot of free throws taken in the final minutes by florida state many of which they missed by the way yeah yeah (laughs) like true (laughs) like when when state was fouling on purpose and so like that's why to me i that that just mentioning free throw disparity is one of my absolute pet peeves because like come on what are we like that in and of itself doesn't mean anything um for me it's like did you get the same whistle on drives that they did and if you have beef about that i understand it like i don't disagree with them having some beef on that um in the second half especially especially because it was such a departure from the way that they called the first half yeah that's i think what was most frustrating to be sure it was it was a weird game that way i just florida state i believe was called for the first like six or seven fouls of the entire game all in like the first 10 minutes. And then it's, it's like everything completely flipped in the other direction in the second half. And it's just, well, and the ultimate, the ultimate irony is that like, I think partly the fouls and partly because they couldn't contain very well in drives, they went to a zone early in the second half, Florida state did. And, you know, Kevin Keats kind of got defensive about it. And he's like, well, if the zone had worked so well, they would have stayed in. And it's like, well, a Leonard Hamilton hates to play zone and B it did throw. I I feel like it did throw them off and they never quite got their rhythm back in the second half. Was it the zone's fault? I don't know, but it was clear they were befuddled by it when they saw it. Yeah. And how could you not be? It's frankly frightening to, to think of and see those guys playing zone defense like that. It's like, it's like what Syracuse's zone should look like. Exactly. But, but. Uh, yeah, and that's, it creates problems. It, it definitely creates problems, especially for a team that's not confident shooting the ball from outside. And so, yeah, that that certainly, again, was 
was part of the, the issues offensively and also in changing the, the foul situation a little bit as well. So, yeah, and a move that I suppose confirms that Vegas um, has at least one NC State person um, helping make odds. Uh, North Carolina is a two and a half point favorite at home um, over NC State. Um and in the rematch, I at one point, thankfully, did not put anything on this um, guaranteed that this North Carolina team, based on everything I had seen, would not sweep this NC State team based on everything I had seen from them because it just didn't make any logical sense to me. And it still doesn't, if we're being honest. It just still does not make logical sense to me, the idea that this could happen. But almost every state fan I know, and I say almost because I'm talking to you right now, um, <laughs> feels like this is an inevitability. And I just, like, I understand why they feel that way. And frankly, the first matchup shouldn't have played out the way that it did. But, like, it just doesn't make any sense. And it drives me crazy. That's my main source of confidence is it feels like the universe must even itself out on Tuesday night with oh, this. Stephen. Oh, no. It just has to. It just doesn't oh. make any No, this team's too bad to, to sweep NC State, surely. It- I mean, it is. And the thing is this, um, and I warned you I was going to bring this out, so I don't mean to cause pain. Here we go. Um, (laughs) But Carolina, as we all know, has had a hard time closing out games where they have double-digit leads. Um, They were up 10 with 347 to go at state. They end up winning by 10, okay? But um, they've played seven games where they've had that kind of lead, double-digit lead in the second half. Um, I'm not counting Miami here for a variety of reasons, but... um, they're two and five in those games where they've had a double digit second half lead in the not Miami game. Um, <laughs> and obviously they have lost all but two of those. One was to Yale. Um, in almost every single game Carolina played, they played extremely poorly. Like there is really not one game where they shot even remotely decently. Duke is the closest, but then they shot so poorly from the foul line that it kind of offset that. They scored four points in the final 347 of that game at NC State. They missed all three of their shots. They were four of nine from the foul line. And yet, NC State, (laughs) oh boy, NC State went two of ten, oh of seven from three inexplicably because 347 is not like you don't have to just jack up a ton of threes. Um, And they had seven fouls in that stretch and scored four points. So in the final 347 NC state, as much as in North Carolina was literally like trying to give it away. <laughs> NC yeah. state was like, no, we're good. Thank nah. you. Gross. That's, that's disgusting. So in a way I feel like that could lead you to some sense of optimism because like, look, everybody else that's even remotely decent, Virginia tech, Notre Dame, Duke, Clemson, Pitt is the list has been able to um, overcome North Carolina, taking a, double digit second half lead and be just fine. Right. Um, <laughs> right. But it, but NC state was not able to do that. And yeah, I mean, you would think that they would figure things out and that they'll play with a higher level of energy. And I'm sure that they will play with a high level of energy. I, I, I am confident of that. Um, but yeah, yeah I, <laughs> and I, I would say that the one area where that does inspire some confidence is it's not like this was some sort of, completely flukishly great performance by North Carolina. That, that just kind of shows that in those last four minutes, they were kind of normal, typical UNC. It wasn't just, you know, Roy creating some magic and they played out of their minds the entire time. So it wasn't. Yeah, but a, doesn't that make it more frustrating? 
Partly. <laughs> Not to it's go hard. all Scott Wood on you. It's hard to explain, but I guess it, it's, it encourages me that it wasn't like a, they kind of just played their normal level without elevating themselves those last few minutes that, so it wasn't like a. No, they gave NC state states, chances. Right. So it was like something they do to everybody else and not just NC State. So that was kind of, that's kind of comforting, I guess. <laughs> In wow. a weird way. I, I don't know. It's hard to explain that, but um, just goes to show they could do that again. Hopefully it won't be in that situation, but. Well, if, if they are up double digits, maybe that's where state wants them to be, you know? This time, sure. Up- <laughs> right. I'm just saying, like Kevin Keats has got to be like, dude, they always collapse in this situation. Come on. Um, yeah, I mean, I look, um, I don't know what Garrison Brooks' status is going to be. That was a big, um, you know, obviously they weren't going to beat Louisville. I think we all understood that. Um, for a minute, I thought they were going to ugly it up enough to where they like lost, but it was like a close enough margin that you were like, wow, how were they in this game with their stats looking that way? Sort of like they were at Florida State. Right. Um, where you were like, uh, gross, but also why is this a five-point game? Um, that didn't last super long. Garrison Brooks is really big for them on both ends. He obviously was at NC State as well. Um, if he can't go um, with his illness or whatever, obviously that'll have a big impact. But I would be su- I'd be kind of surprised if he didn't play. By the way, that leaves like, I think it was two North Carolina players left that haven't missed a game um, due to injury. <laughs> <Phew>. <laughs> yeah, like of their entire rotation. That's pretty... <laughs> It's been an epidemic. Feels like everybody's been more injury prone this year. I don't know what it is. Yeah, it it does feel like that. It has been like league wide, um, seemingly. But yeah, they obviously have a little bit of all of that going on for them. Um, I mean, you know, they didn't have Cole Anthony last time around. I feel like that's a big thing too for NC State. Um, I remember talking to DJ Funderburk a little bit after they beat Duke, and you know, he was talking about how you know he was talking a little bit to Markel about Trey Jones and whatever and getting him hyped up for that matchup. And that was clearly the first marquee point guard that State has and Markel have played against all year. Um, and I think that that kind of showed in the way that Markel played and responded um, in that game. Yeah, that's a good point. He, he definitely came out looking more like he was on a, on a mission, more focused um, in a game like that. And it's something that has been missing at times and probably was missing in the first game against North Carolina where he didn't really shoot the ball all that well, uh, like, like a lot of guys on the team. But yeah, it's, it's hopefully that's something where he can channel that energy again. And if he can, then that, that improves NC State's chances dramatically. DJ said something like, yeah, we joke around and I say like so-and-so said he would do X to you. And I'm like, you need to l- tell him lies, man. Like just lie to him before these games and be like, <laughs> yeah. man, can you believe what Jose Alvarado said about you? Like, <laughs> At this point, yes, please. Yeah, please just tell, give whatever fuel Markel needs at this, at this juncture. Man, uh, Cole Anthony said he was going to have 40 and that you are terrible. Like you have been true. this big, dis- you know, <laughs> well, he said what? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, it, uh, my hot take now is that I think NC State would have won the first meeting if Cole Anthony had played. That's hmm. my hot take. Alternate reality with motivated Markel. Makes sense. It could happen. I'm just saying. So that's, that's I think that should be, honestly, like your biggest source of optimism is the fact that Cole Anthony is playing, which makes this make even less sense. But I'm, <laughs> I'm we're, we're going. We're riding with it, right? We have that, to. That works. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that angle. That, that sounds good. And the other thing, too... With, <laughs> I mean, I like Cole Anthony a lot, but he has struggled as 
in long stretches this year with with shooting the ball. I think I think yeah, sometimes he tries from three right now. He yeah. tries to do a little too much. I feel like sometimes, which I can't blame him necessarily. I mean, I'm not like they have a ton <laughs> yeah, when, of options here, but that's the thing. Um, when people are like, "Oh, he's such a ball hog," I'm like, "Whom is he supposed to pass the basketball yeah, to?" Especially without, especially when Garrison Brooks isn't in there. It's like, who if, exactly yeah, is if he, he can't to play? Then yeah, that that's tough, but. Shoo! In an ideal world, he wouldn't be taking quite so many shots. It's obviously for effect- sure. It's 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 definitely affecting him. But um, yeah, it's if you ask, I'm sure the tone on Twitter leading up to the game will be, "Oh, here comes Cole Anthony. He's going to score 35 points or whatever." Um, yeah, I think they're I looking know. at this all wrong. Yeah, that yeah. Let's let's flip that around. Maybe it'll maybe it'll go the other way. Then uh, you're going to get fired up, Markel. Sure, and I just I just am not convinced that Cole Anthony is that that big of a difference maker at this point where, where he's at but i guess we'll, well see. there's only so much that he can do you know i mean like <laughs> right he can't you know and it's it is weird because we saw them making a lot of progress offensively you know when he was out in terms of the way they played against miami and, and some against nc state but i don't think you know correlation does not equal causation you know and i don't think people were like well were they better without cole and i'm like no they had only played two games where they right. played all that well like let's not get crazy nah. <laughs> no, it's definitely not that. It's definitely not a not a better without type situation. It's just they're just different, and you know, because he, he takes, he's taken like a third of their shots while he's on the floor in league play, which is just a huge, enormous workload. It would that would hurt anybody's efficiency, but it's definitely been pretty rough on him in particular. Yeah, it's tough. For, it's tough for the short guys, no matter how talented you are. Typically, so you know, it's it's true. Hmm. Yeah, it's hard, true. Hard to, hard, to, hard to make those twos at a high rate when you're that short. As a fellow short, yes, I can, I can relate <laughs> without a tenth of his athleticism. Um, but that's whatever. Um, well, details. So, yeah. Yeah. so who knows? Um, I don't know that state neat has to have this game for NCAA purposes. Um, I think if you got in the Florida state game, you feel better about potentially dropping this one. But at the same time, you know, I, I think state's biggest issue is going to be they can drop like one more of these, right? But they right. can't lose to Pitt and to Wake at home. Like those are must right. not lose. Yeah, um, there's no breathing room really. So yeah, I feel like uh, with them being right on the edge of the cut line at this point, you, Florida State not surprisingly didn't really impact anything one way or the other. Losing that game didn't figure it would. Getting the Duke game was more important than. Um, well, yeah, the, you had to get one of those the, for sure. Right, and, had to get the split there. So they've done that. So it feels like it, at most of the turns, they've kind of done just the bare minimum. So in this case, the bare minimum would be going two and two. Um, of course, if one well, of those was due, was gonna- that, that does change the calculus a little bit. But assume I'm throwing that one out of there, just counting, chalking that up as a loss. And then, so they I need two they, of these other three. Yeah, at least. Um, I'd probably feel better for them if they go three and one, but look, uh, ideally, know, yeah, <laughs> but I bare just, minimum, it seems to be what they keep doing. So it's like, feels like that's, that's true. Feels like that's a two and two finish. And then maybe needing a couple wins in the ACC tournament to really kind of feel. Like that's don't yeah. Have, don't have to sweat the bid thieves quite so much at that point. Maybe. I, I think if you're three and one down the stretch and you, then you feel like okay when your first ACC tournament game and you're fine yeah. whereas like if you're two and two I feel like you've, you're going to have to feel like you need to win more than one um, but we'll see um, oof yeah because yeah. I didn't see I didn't see there were seven yeah 17 and 10 now so one more loss is probably fine um, but hey if they were putting Purdue in last week who knows <laughs> I just uh, the big 10 is just a, a P.S. Weird... even 
even Jerry Palm last week was like, I don't understand this. <laughs> it's it's so confusing. And this has been a disconcerting year from a Ken Prom ratings too. Um, just looking at where it just doesn't seem to normally, you know, that I feel like the Pomeroy ratings match up with what I see pretty, pretty, they square up pretty well. But this yeah, year I, I see like Ohio state is like 12th in the Pomeroy and I look at Ohio state and it's just like, eh, really? Yeah. Caroline <laughs> that, Darnie like and I, yeah. Or something? I just don't. Yeah. Caroline Darnie and I have been talking about this. I wonder, and I'm not, you know, I feel like the efficiency margin even though it is somewhat wide, I guess. But I, I, to me, with my own eyesight, it feels like the efficiency margin um, between like teams in the like early hundreds and like teams in the thirties is not that different. I know that it is like looking at it right now in Ken Palm as I am, but just watching them, it doesn't feel like those teams are all that different. You know what I mean? Right. That's how, that's how it feels anyway. Yeah, like, I, I think that's and I. I feel like that's partly probably a function of just offenses not being quite so good this year. It yeah, it, it seems to kind of whether just the way we perceive things, I think, is just kind of more offensively driven. So it's like if if teams are more struggling in general, it kind of feels like they're more bunched together. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, no, I I'm with you. It's it's just a weird it's a weird year as we know. Uh, all right, Tuesday Duke at Wake. That's before for state carolina because some devil person put that game at nine o'clock um <laughs> i hate that person by the way yes oh my god i didn't realize this. yeah i didn't realize state and carolina's records were anagrams 17 and 10 and 10 and 17 beautiful that's symmetry Synergy. Um, yeah, you gotta love it yeah uh duke at wake whatever i don't look <laughs> it's not i mean could wake be frisky at home i guess but who cares you know, yeah. it's <laughs> don't matter. I mean, is Duke flawed enough to lose a game like that? Probably, but Definitely. I don't see it happening. Yeah, no, I don't see it happening. Um, and that's like, honestly, really all the analysis that this deserves, um, that that game deserves anyway. Uh, Clemson at Georgia Tech, also at 9 p.m. Georgia Tech, the best 13 and 14 team in uh, college basketball. Fighting. Absolutely. They're, they're like our <laughs> Purdue. They're just... They're just right there, just rock solid. <laughs> yeah, they should be a bubble team. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, they are just ugh, only Josh Pastner could ruin this current collection of talent that they have because they do have good players. Like they, they do. do. Believe me, I know that very, very well. <laughs> I know that you do. I know that NC State knows that quite well. Um, and Clemson is continues to float around in the ether of. Uh, Wow, 63 in Ken Palm. They've taken quite a jump. Goodness. I'm impressed at that. I was getting ready to leave. I think we were all pretty much leaving them for dead uh, early there or late December, early January. So that's a nice underrated job that Brownell's done there. Clemson feels like the type of <laughs> – this is going to sound so bad. Clemson's like the the person who lives alone and they'll like die alone in their apartment and no one knows for like two weeks because like no one is checking in on them. <laughs> Clemson basketball fair <laughs> yeah. and it's like wow we really should have done like a welfare check on this person <laughs> yeah. it's unfortunate yeah the, the, but, the only reason that won't happen to Boston College is because we'll all have we'll have expected that so we'll have put them in a home first so they'll, Boston they'll College starts around them Boston College has already started to smell <laughs> um, <laughs> so you always notice Boston College uh, Cle- yeah Clemson was 95 in Ken Palm on February 9th that's wow. I'm, I'm, 
yeah, three in a row, uh, all by double digits. Goodness. Um, okay. They're pulling so a now they're gonna, Virginia Tech here, yeah. Now they're going to lose to Georgia Tech because that's what the season of the ACC is. Must be, yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh. sure, flip a coin, uh, blame it, whatever you want on it. It's just, it just everything goes. <laughs> it's exceedingly dumb and I hate it. I I, sp- I literally spent an hour and a half on my AP ballot today and I was oh, so angry at college basketball. Just so angry. Because um, everybody lost. Yeah. Like, that's, that's I ranked Stephen F. Austin this week. I don't care. Sure. I mean, it's not like it really is that important anyway, except for, of course, it's right, very I'm, important to all the people that are going to yell at you online because it's... No, no one yelled at me. Oh, yeah. good. No. I mean, most people were like, good, rank him in major. At least don't rank like... Because people keep complaining about the nine lost teams that get ranked, except for like, y'all weren't the ones trying to fill out my ballot and rank someone else. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, okay. If I could unrank Auburn, I would. I don't have the guts. They're too important. You got they got to stay up there for our prestige factor. We have to. I know that has to look for the optics of the, the loss. Again, well, again, <laughs> I do like I do try to balance out like what kind of wins you have versus like what your record is. You know, and yeah. at some point your record has to matter. And there's still a P5 team with like what four losses. That's right. you know that's not nothing. Um, but at the same time, they don't have a win as good as Stephen F. Austin does. So no. No, that'd, just, that'd be pretty tough to tough they're to match. the only they're the only team I ranked bes- that they're literally the only team I ranked that does not have a top twenty five win in Ken Palm. Um, so there, I didn't realize it had been that bad for them, but uh, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Every time I do, I, I like try to differentiate between teams with that, and I'm like, oh, gross. Yeah, um, that's not ideal. But I do, you know, they do kind of pass the eye test. I mean, do they pass the eye test as like a national title contender? Not really, but. You know, do they pass the eye test enough to be like in the 15 to 20 range? Yeah, they do. Sure. So yeah. it's, you know, um, oh God, I used eye test unironically. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, hey, we were talking about me. that earlier, basically. We just didn't say it. <laughs> I know. I've been broken. Um, all right. Virginia at Virginia Tech. This feels a little trappy to me um, for Virginia because of Duke coming in on Saturday, which I will be at, by the way. I will be... Uh, Staying with our friend Caroline and uh, the Charlottesville people will, I'm sure, be uh, buying me drinks again, which I always <laughs> appreciate. Um, but yeah, I mean, this feels a little, a little trappy to me right now. Although Virginia Tech's just just oof. dropping like a rock. I just, yeah, I understand yeah. What, what you're saying there with the with the timing of the of that for Virginia, but I don't know. I feel like Virginia Tech has just been so terrible lately that it's not going to matter. Yeah, I mean, the only thing is, you know, that crowd's going to be fired up, you know, they'll probably make some shots that they weren't, um, which is like all of them or any of them. Um, (laughs) I think I had a weird theory, speaking of like hot takes, um, with no basis in reality, except my own feelings, that North Carolina actually broke Virginia Tech, um, because they have lost seven of eight since they got that OT win over Carolina at home. Um, Something happened because, yeah, they just hit a wall, fell off a cliff, whatever. Yeah, they were fourteen and five after that game. They're now fifteen and twelve. Um, look, they, they, again, they've sort of normalized. They're more like the team we thought they were going to be. But still, with the hot start that they had, I think you thought they could be somewhat better than they are now, um, and they are not. Yeah, they did lose to Virginia even when they were playing well in the first meeting, sixty-five to thirty-nine, which is probably as badly as Virginia's beaten anyone this year. 
Um, I'd imagine so. Oof, certainly as ugly a score as anybody's beaten anybody this year. Oof. And that was, uh, well, <laughs> let's not say that. They did uh, beat Notre Dame in overtime like 50 to 40 or something. Um, 50 something to 40 something. Uh, right? Yeah. Or did, I just, did I just try not to look at their Ken Palm page. It's just too... Just too much of a house of horrors there. <laughs> uh, yeah, a lot of, in an well, impressive, partly impressive way, but still, it's it's not as it's not as red as it used to be. It's getting a little pinker. Um, <laughs> so it's 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 gone from like completely raw, like completely rare, to like medium rare in the in the Ken Palm offensive stats. You know, yeah, it does seem like they've started to cook lately, so that makes sense. Yes. Yes. Oh, I like that. See, trying it all together. <laughs> and this was before really like Casey Morsell, guys like Casey Morsell and Thomas Tensai were playing as well as they're playing now. They, they still beat Virginia Tech like that. So, right. Um, I mean, them shooting well, especially Tensai, just opens up so, so, so much. They really only need one person, you know, to be yeah. shooting, to just open up everything. And it made everything so difficult for them offensively when that was not happening. So that's made a big difference. And, you know, they've been... They've been pretty impressive. I've been impressed. I see you offensing, Virginia. I do. I see it. It's definitely definitely an improved versus where it was a couple months ago. So give them credit for that for sure. Yeah. And obviously they're still defending at a pretty high level, um, which is what they do. So that makes that game Saturday a little bit more interesting to me because like weirdly, Virginia Duke in the last few years, except for like last year and maybe like a couple years before that, I have just felt like Duke's had the more talented offensive players um, than Virginia. And that has sort of been the biggest difference. And when those teams get together, and I still think that's probably true in this game. I mean, it definitely is, but um, Duke's guys aren't as unstoppable as they have been in years past. So it'll be yeah, I, I don't, yeah, I, I agree. I don't think it's to quite the same extent where the, you have these obviously refined future pro basketball players um, that that's certainly one way to crack Virginia's defense, which Duke has done. But yeah, this year I don't think it'll be quite so easy. Doesn't yeah, look, quite it, so, doesn't look quite so simple based on what they have on hand this time around. Yeah, for sure. So that, I mean, it's just worth watching, I guess from it's not worth watching. Don't watch Virginia, Virginia tech unless you need to. Although like, I don't know what else you would watch that night, frankly, because the second Wednesday game or the same time Wednesday game is Syracuse at Pitt. Um, okay, <laughs> I guess. Sure. I'll do it. I, I do actually kind of get a, a, a perverse level of entertainment out of watching games against between two teams that play really, really, really slow. Oh, really? I, I just end up rooting for it to be like a, you know, 37 to 38 game or something like that. Just you know, something really extreme and weird. What is Ken Palm? Let me see what Ken Palm projects the possessions to be. Uh, 65, which is not super slow, interestingly. I mean, it's slow. Um, huh. And they predict that to be a one-point game with uh, Syracuse losing. I don't know that Syracuse is going to lose with the way Pitts looked. As oh, I'm sorry. I was, talking about, I was talking about Virginia and Virginia Tech. Oh, oh, <laughs> sorry. Yes, I had switched to Syracuse. Well, same page. My apologies. But uh, Virginia, Virginia Tech could definitely be that low scoring. That would not gross. surprise me at all. Um, yes. But yeah, Syracuse, Pitt, um, I guess we're playing this game. Um uh, yeah, I mean, Biggie's, Biggie's throwback action. Yeah, I thought that's where you were going with that. Actually, that you like watching two former Biggie's teams go at. No, I would never say that. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say I was like I don't even know you. God, do you? But but to be fair, do you remember when Syracuse Pitt like was super entertaining? It feels like it was not that long ago. It really, yeah, it doesn't feel like it was that long ago. But yeah, it felt like uh, 
those glory days of what 10 15 years ago pittsburgh was that tough blue collar beat you up rebound like crazy type of team and syracuse actually had you know decent amount of talent and depth at that point yep. so. <laughs> yeah it's the good old ugh. days it that game mm, 70 to 69 feels a little optimistic although who knows that's what ken palm has it as uh, a lot of free throws, I'm assuming, in that one. Like probably like <laughs> a third of each team's points coming from the foul line would be my guess. <laughs> yeah, Ugh. Ugh, he's right. Um, I mean, they're not really playing for much of anything. I mean, I guess Syracuse is technically still in the NCAA tournament picture, but I really doubt it. Um, yeah, they've they were completely out of it for, at the beginning, and then they kind of went on a little streak to get everybody back interested again. And now it seems like they've once again. Uh, dipped their way out of the picture but i guess you'd never know no you wouldn't not this uh, year no yeah mm-mm. uh yeah i guess that's like nit-ish type game because who knows maybe one or both could make it but gonna get a lot of teams in the nit i feel like this year <laughs> maybe right? they should expand that field <laughs> yeah definitely they should <laughs> just reverse it this year you have 32 in the ncaa tournament and put 64 in the nit Nobody will go to the CIT. Well, no, didn't Pitt do that one time? How embarrassing for them. I'm not sure. That's I, just Isn't that That's one of those tournaments where you got to pay to to get yes. into it? Yes. Or host games. I just it's, it's so embarrassing. Don't do that. Yeah, what Come is on, the guys. point if you're a power conference team? Who wants to even bother with those games? It's like paying for Twitter followers or something. Like that's <laughs> like desperate and weird and gross. Like don't do that. You're Pitt basketball. Like you're embarrassing the Just legacy of Dewan Blair. Yeah. You know, don't do that. No. Ugh. Um, I, I, I don't see Jeff Capel wanting to do that, but who knows? Um, so yeah. It's like, nah, I could uh, be on vacation. Screw that. <laughs> and then the nightcap Notre Dame at Boston college, Boston college, where all good teams in the league go to die. Don't kill Notre Dame though. I love Notre Dame right now. I really do. I do. I, I know. They're they they've sucked me right back in. They always do. I know. They really do. <laughs> but they but, have uh, looked more like more more a bit more vintage lately offensively. So that's been impressive to see. I wasn't sure if they'd get there this year or not. Yeah, because they don't have a ton of like great shooters. But I mean TJ Gibbs has low key had a really nice season. Um and I don't think at least I didn't really notice it. But he's first in the league in league-only three-point shooting. Like, Is he really? Wow. Yeah. He's shooting 52% from three. Um, he's been really good. Um, and I didn't expect that after last year because he had kind of a disappointing, in my opinion anyway, like sophomore year or junior year. Sorry, not sophomore because he's a senior now. And I mean, I think he's the biggest reason that they're playing the way that they're playing because obviously Rex Pfluger physically is kind of a shell of himself. And, you know, John Mooney's going to be John Mooney, but he'd been kind of all over the place. And and for him to like settle in and have a nice year has been big for them. Um, I did not realize he was shooting it that well, probably because he was, was not really well. good against us, but yeah, damn. That's yeah. Impressive. He's, I think he's been on kind of a tear lately too. Yeah. He wasn't good. Well, he was zero for three against y'all, but he was five of six from two. Um, so Yeah. Obviously, when he's shooting well, they can beat almost anybody, but he was 0 of 7 total against Duke. Um, they really keyed on him, I think, him and Mooney, and that's why they won by as many as they won by in that game. But 
every other game for Notre Dame has been like of the one to two score variety. I mean, they've really been right there with almost everybody. So I'm, I'm trying not to let myself feel things, Um, (laughs) but yeah, I don't know. So before I let you go, I did, I did want to sort of hit on like who you think has been the most important guy, the best guy, the best player for NC state this year. I know there's been a lot of momentum one way lately, but before one player's injury, I think there was a little more momentum that way. Who do you think has been their most important guy? Start to finish. That's it's tough because it's been just a weird uh, year with, of inconsistency. Right. Cause I mean, I I'm still tempted to lean towards CJ Bryce, but I mean, you could make an argument for DJ Funderburg. Obviously, Devon Daniels has been great the last handful of games or so, um, but he he's struggled for a good chunk of the early portion of the year. And then, of course, we know what Markel Johnson can do when he's on. He, I don't think there's anybody that's more important when he's playing well, or I should say anyone that can make a more significant individual difference when he's playing well than Markel Johnson. But it's just more often than not has not been there especially with just the struggles with his outside shooting this year that's really hurt um just the the weird january hiccup for cj bryce aside i feel like he in general has been the most important guy overall but uh in stretches it's been you could point to two three different guys for sure i um I, I love the way Devin Daniels has been playing, but I, I wish that I feel like the team takes more of its cue from Markel for whatever reason, because Devin, you know, good and bad has been all over the place all year in terms of like his effort and his, the way he plays the game doesn't really change right from game to game. But like, I feel like the team doesn't always take his cue and like follow his lead and whatever the way they do Markel for whatever reason. Um, and I would like to offer a brief defense of Braxton Beverly, um, who is just doing his best out there, guys. I think I follow too many NC State people. That's probably my part, my my problem on Twitter. Um, <laughs> but there's just this like constant annoyance with him that I get frustrated with because um, I like him on a personal level. So there's that, but also like he's playing hurt and. I know that he doesn't defend well, but neither do I. And that tweet <laughs> that I sent the other, I sent yeah. the tweet the other night, and his dad favorited it this morning. So <laughs> he's out there looking at all of your tweets. It's true. Just, and I just like I I just I mean he's just trying really hard, and like he needs to be out there sometimes because partly because Markel has not been as consistent, and I feel like he's gotten this like higher level of like scrutiny and negative attention than is deserved. Um. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's, I think maybe some of that is, is frustration bleeding off of right. Like Markel and, and landing elsewhere. I feel like that's, I'm pro, I'm sure I'm guilty of some of that too. It's, it's, but it's easy to, I mean, it's, it's easy to just kind of lose perspective on these things sometimes. And it, you get, you know, a guy has a bad few games, a streak here or there. And then it feels like, that is extended for the entire season in your memory or something like that. You know, it's just one of those uh, nebulous things. And actually I was surprised looking at the numbers that he's shooting it better in league play from three than he did last year. So he definitely hasn't been bad as it 
I think at times it feels like. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's... he's physically limited, like not just like from his injury, but also the fact that he's just not very quick with the foot speed, you know? Right. <laughs> Relatable. That's Absolutely. the thing. Yeah, I feel like I feel like maybe and I could be wrong about this, like Twitter was not even a thing when Wes Miller was in school. But I remember this being a little bit of a thing with Wes Miller of like, you know, physically he couldn't guard certain guys. And there was a frustration level um, at times with fans about like, why is he in the game or whatever? But like if you're a coach and you don't play a guy that does fundamentally know what you are supposed to be doing and plays his butt off every time he's in the game, then you're basically sending a message to your more talented guys that they don't have to do those things. Yeah, that's true. And it's not an easy balancing act all the time. And the other thing, of course, with NC State this year is is just the depth issues have forced right. certain things, forced Kevin Keats' hands in certain ways. And, uh, you know, that's – but, yeah, I think there's a lot of frustration that comes with the defensive end of the floor for sure, among other yeah. things that, that have absolutely nothing to do with Braxton Beverly. Well – for NC State's sake, I just hope that they don't score four points in the last four minutes of this basketball game, um, unless they're up by like 30. Yeah, I was going to say, unless unless that case, then it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Well, either way, it's sure to be um, Something. an interesting game. That was the yeah. last game Carolina won. Yeah, how about um, that? They are on their longest losing streak since 1951. Huh. And that was uh, before, like, and I remember this because I remember, like, I did research for, like, their 100 years of Carolina basketball book and helped, like, with the writing of that. And they were so mad that State kept beating them. And, like, State had gotten really good by then. That's they were like, they hey, McGuire. Yeah. we can do this basketball thing. Mm-hmm. Like, come on, guys. This is it's embarrassing. <laughs> I know. It's all our fault. Everett Casey beat Carolina, I think, like, 15 times in a row or something like that. And Carolina got mad and decided to get serious about basketball. Yeah, you guys did this. I know. We always do that to ourselves. Unbelievable. Just (laughs) shooting ourselves in the foot for 75 years. (laughs) Between that and like what Norm Sloan and David Thompson did to those 70s Carolina teams that like Roy Williams is like a salty child (laughs) still remembers and hates that he got taunted for as a child. Like he's always held that against State, which is a thing that I feel like State fans both love and hate him for in equal measure. Yeah, (laughs) I think that's fair to say. Yeah. Yeah, they'll, you know, I'd, I'd be surprised if they play super poorly against State because they don't usually. But no. I mean, that would be the biggest surprise if they completely played like crap. I would be shocked. Yeah, but at least, you know, I guess the Louisville game had to be easier that they didn't lose at the last second. Um, hey, you know, baby steps. Rip that band aid off for Carolina <laughs> fans. Probably had to be some relief there of like, oh, good. We don't have to worry what heartbreaking way we will lose this basketball game. Um, yep. And I have, I've always maintained that they're doing like, cause people are like, state does this all the time. I'm like, no, no, no. State does it differently. State state's aesthetic for these types of losses is way different. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's definitely not the whole blow a double digit lead in five minutes type thing. <laughs> no, no. And if usually they do it's that, catch up from 10 down or something like that. And then, yeah. Yeah. State will like make the run right. late in a game like they did against Florida state. And then, the fans will be screaming for them to shoot it every time they get down the basketball court um, inside of like two minutes. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Hurry up, shoot, come on. And yeah. Yeah. And then they just sort of pass the ball around the perimeter confusedly um, for like 10 seconds longer than they need to. It's been a journey. (laughs) But yeah, that's, that's the, that's the state. And then state loses the leads, but then they, 
they still manage to hang on. So like State might have an opponent make a run, but they still hang on. They have not lost a double digit lead this season um, in the second half. So because I looked into this. Yeah. Wow. The only the only other team that's lost multiple ACC second half double digit leads is Wake Forest. See, that makes sense. Yeah. Of course it does. Yeah. (laughs) But they've only lost two and Carolina's lost, I believe, five. That's brutal. Yeah. So. All right. All right, Stephen. Well, I'll get you out of here on that. Good luck staying awake tomorrow night. I'm sure you'll stay awake. I'm just an old person that might fall asleep at my press box seat. We'll see how the game goes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Thanks so much. Until later this week, y'all. Bye. Bye.